Force my friends is violence, the supreme authority from which all other authority is derived. And you know, there is something very important we need to do as soon as possible. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creative. Hello and welcome. This is the Parents Guide podcast where we analyze movies with a focus on sex and violence. Um, we're still in season one, which still deals with movies from the 1990s. And today we're looking at a movie from 1993 and it is Mike Lee's Naked. And uh, my guest today is Will Steele. Hello, Will. Hello, David. Nice to be here to discuss sex and violence. Yes, uh, and sex and violence, uh, we will have to discuss with this film. But before we get to our movie, I uh, I want to uh, ask my introductory question I always ask. Um, this is a, a podcast about uh, movies that might disturb you or might have disturbed someone during their childhood. Do you have an example of a movie that you have seen too early or that stayed with you against your will? Right, so yeah, wh when I heard this on other ones, I feel like people had quite valid or common art I don't know something that just made sense whereas I think I had to dig deep you know as you do with trauma for mine <laughs> and the first one that came to my mind I've still got two one is very traditional um I think when I was watching tv with my mum when I was about seven or eight it was quite late and the shining was on and as she <laughs> you know the the part we cap sort of started on was um Johnny rolling down the hallway wait no not Johnny the kid I forgot what the kid's called now. Oh, I should know what the kid is called. We should. We know movies, but no. Anyway, oh, this, the kid in... This drives yeah. me nuts. No, no. no. Um, <laughs> Billy? No, no, it's not Billy. Anyway, the kid in The Shining was cycling down, tricycling down that hallway and got to the twins. And I just remember my mum going, this is famous. And then me being like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. And then it cuts to them all bloodied. And I remember that being quite a traumatic. Ah, I shouldn't have seen that at eight years old. Have you looked up the name? Uh, he's called Danny. Danny, Billy was okay. Yeah, Danny. Danny should have known that. It's, Haven't seen Doctor Sleep, but still, I'm I'm I can't believe I don't know this name. Like I know The Shining Inside Out. I've read the book. I wrote about the book, <laughs> an essay in school. I've, wow. I I watched everything. It's I I can't believe I didn't remember this name. It's all uh, right. But I mean, this is definitely a movie that can disturb you as a child, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of For sure because it was. From a child's perspective, I think that scared yeah. me a little bit more and just not knowing the context of anything that was happening. And it, you know, it re replayed in my mind to the point where when I see it now, I'm like, oh, that's not how I imagined it at all. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is very often the case uh, when, when yeah. you watch something as a child and you have memories of it. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you watch the movie again, when you're older, it looks completely different and it doesn't really fit to your uh, memory. Uh, yeah. that's, that's very interesting. Do you know yeah. how old you were when you watched that? I th I'd say about seven or eight, but I think around that time, the thing that actually I had to dig a bit deeper for this, and this genuinely disturbed me, is in The Incredibles. So I would have been about six, I think, when I saw The Incredibles. And there's, I don't know if, you, if, if you're too familiar with the, in, the Incredibles. I mean, I haven't seen it for a while, but um, there's scenes where you see like old superheroes die. Like you see them getting sucked into like plane turbines and stuff because the whole thing's like no capes, you know with Edna Mode. Mm. So you see a lot of like black and white footage of animated superheroes dying. And that really, really scared me as a kid. So I'd say that's my sort of more latent subconscious trauma is the Incredibles. Well, that's very interesting, I think, uh, yeah. because it's, 
it's like it's a movie where you again i mean you said that it's in maybe a unique example because it's not a movie that you could think of or maybe i mean you could imagine like action sequences being too intense or something like that but so you you caught up on a depiction of death basically mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that yeah that is not as explicit right i, I mean yeah that, i think that's there's... really really interesting yeah, there's something about the way death is presented to children, which is usually very, you know, sort of presented in this a very idyllic way, maybe, or, you know, to sort of chime with people go to a magical place, you know, it's it's fine, it just happens. It's not really embracing the reality of it. And there's there was something quite frank about the way The Incredibles just shows people dying as if it actually happened in black and white news footage that just really irked me. So... Yeah, and I yeah. mean, on top of that, maybe also superheroes dying, right? Which is even more unusual because normally superheroes don't die, at least not like when you're a kid. I mean, if you consume any superhero stories, they probably don't have superhero deaths in them, right? Yeah. I mean, when you read comics and stuff, you see, you see that it happens all the time. But I can imagine as a kid that this might be unusual yeah, as definitely. well. Yeah, I think that's kind of and like you can watch The Incredibles back and that's kind of the magic trick that film pulls I think is by kind of grounding it in quite a believable reality as silly as that seems but I think that's why it was so kind of intense I think yeah I can imagine really interesting example yeah I'm, I'm always happy with examples that are like more unique you know that that mm -hmm. you wouldn't think of uh, right away because yeah. um it's not always the obvious examples. I mean, again, I, I told it in episodes before, for me, it was Jaws, which is kind of an obvious example. Mm. But I mean, I could list like 10, 15 other movies uh, because I, I've dug so deep into this in, in recent years and not all of them are obvious, but I, I really like if someone has a, like The Incredibles is a really interesting choice. Yeah, did the did Jaws have like an impact with you in real life? Like, did it deter you from bodies of water or that sort of thing i'm still just... scared of bodies of water oh no still like now i'm i'm 42 now i'm still scared when i think of the ocean i get scared when i think of it it reminds you of jaws and, and that has i know that has everything to do with jaws that i watched when i was like four or something oh wow that was a, okay that was early then yeah yeah wow well that's the power of movies eh yeah, especially, I said that before, but I actually think it's worth repeating because I think it's so important. Like, I was really scared. I had nightmares. If if someone had taken these fears seriously, it probably wouldn't have disturbed me so much. Mm. Um, like, I, I probably would have could have dealt with it more. And I think it's so important for, for parents to take these fears seriously, especially if they know the kid watched something that, that they're maybe too young for, right? Yeah. And uh, if that doesn't happen, then it becomes problematic. Like if so, if you watch something at a young age and you have you, you have no one to talk to about, right? Maybe you're scared to talk about it or whatever, or you're not taking it seriously. Then it stays in your mind even longer because you don't understand it, right? You don't understand. Yeah. Like in your case, maybe you didn't understand what death means or how death works. I mean, I don't know if you talked about it with your parents, but... Um, I don't think so. I think the thing, when you asked the question to other people and what I was preparing for, my main trauma was on television. And if I can do a quick foray into that very brief, um, it was on the Teletubbies. So I was I was very <laughs> young when I watched this anyway. But um, they had they have like weird bits in Teletubbies where they just cut away to like random stuff happening. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there's yes. a bear and a lion. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. The bear not and the with the bear and the lion. No, oh. no. I, but like, but just like. Just Teletubbies in general. Well, within yes. Teletubby lore, the bear and the lion, I swear, it's just one <laughs> episode. And they're so creepy. They're cardboard cutouts on wheels. So it sounds really, really silly. 
But um, this traumatized me to the point where like my parents were very aware of it because I'd run away from the room screaming. I could see them when I closed my eyes. Have you have you looked up a picture of them? I looked it up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I yeah. had to. I had to because I, I had to know. And yeah, it's really odd to be sinister. Yeah. So yeah. I was like two or three when I was exposed to that. Also because was... the eyes don't really move. Like they oh, have these they jiggly spin. eyes, but that's it. Yeah. But they don't move like back yeah. and forth. Yeah. And that's the, that, that makes it really, really odd to see. Or I can imagine that this can creep someone out. I know. At and a it's young just age. that kind of why would they even put that in there? Like it was clearly to traumatize people, I swear. But <laughs> I, it's it's one of those things where like I saw that at a young age, it really traumatized me. And I find a kinship when I occasionally mention it to people and they go, Oh, I, yes, I was exposed <laughs> to that. And I'm like, ah, because I guess Jaws is so popular that. There'll yeah. be so many other people that like have of, of that course, shared yeah. trauma with you. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of a positive you can find in it. Maybe? Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe now people listen to it. Not that many people listen to this before, for now, but and say, oh, yes, me too. The bear and the lion and oh, Taylor Tubby. Yeah. And Taylor Tubbies are weird enough by themselves already, yeah. which is the reason why my kids never watch Taylor Tubbies uh, much. Uh, I mean, maybe they saw it once or twice. Luckily, not with the bear and the lion. They don't should that. That's fortunate. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I try again. From my experience as a child, that's something I really, I'm, I'm really care about. Not in the way that the IMDb Parents Guide does. I, I always want to make sure if it's okay what they are watching, or if they are scared by it, that we can talk about it afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably the best way to not repress it, so that it affects exactly. us in the way it's affecting us now. Exactly. However it does. Yeah. I think you shouldn't like guard your children from everything because that mm. also doesn't work but because then they go out and watch it by themselves which is mm -hmm. what i did too then later and then it's it, it just keeps repeating itself right yeah yeah that definitely comes up i suppose and we'll probably get onto it with this film but when you talk about the ratings across different countries yes and how like say france has very relaxed views typically um and i that does raise an interesting question of whether you allow it earlier does is it productive or is it you know harmful and i think that's yes. that's that's a, a question that your podcast probes at which is just endlessly interesting i think yeah i uh, yeah of course i think that too that's why i'm doing this and yeah. you are already yeah. teasing something we will ah. talk about very very soon Getting and yes you no know, that's fine that's fine uh, okay so our movie is naked which you picked and well the question would be in a way why did you pick it or what's your history with naked okay so i I feel like I maybe saw Naked for the first time about a year ago. Um, I'm a huge Mike Lee fan who directed Naked. And it stuck out in his filmography as the most popular, according to Letterboxd, but also quite different to a lot of his films. You know, you think of Mike Lee, you might think Vera Drake or um, Secrets and Lies. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if a, a particular film comes to mind for you. It's Secrets and Lies first, yeah. because that's when I first got aware of Mike Lee in, in uh, when is my uh, Secrets and Lies, 1995? 96, um, yeah. So. Or oh, 96, that's when I first got into Oscar lore and stuff uh, during right. that time. And, and because it was so unique that a movie like this uh, got so much buzz, that's when I first realized, like, and, and then every there was lots of talk about his method and so on and so mm -hmm. on. So for me, it's Secrets and Lies. But yeah. also Happy Go Lucky, which I saw in cinema. Which like, is many different movies, not necessarily naked. Yeah. yeah, and Happy Go Lucky is maybe the absolute antithesis to yes. naked. But there are there are quite a few common things both in how they were made, you know, through Mike Lee's method of rehearsing and then yeah. that kind of naturalism coming through yeah. in, in the filming, but also a central character who kind of interacts with various people in their life 
espousing their philosophy or kind of stumbling upon it. They both share that. But anyway, I watched Naked and I was like, this is incredible. It's both, despite all its incredibly, incredibly bleak and dark subject matters, it somehow finds, I don't know, it's engaging and it's not romantic, but poetic. I think I I, I like that. And so when, um, you know, I found the podcast and, uh, you know, you I got in touch with you and you said, you know, which film would you pick? I, I went to my top 100 films um, and I just went to the 90s and I was like, oh, right. Well, that's a film that involves a lot of sex and violence and how they're intertwined. And something I've only realized today is I overlooked another one of my favorite films of the 90s, Boogie Nights, which is like a, a much more obvious depiction of sex from a film made in the 90s. But yeah, I think I was drawn to it because I love Mike Lee. So I'd love to talk about him. Um, I've spoken about Secrets and Lies um, on another podcast. So I feel like it chimes with that. I'm just becoming the Mike Lee guy. That's what I'm branding <laughs> myself as. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's it's a prickly film that is not easy to explain. So good for discussion. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I normally do at this point is to try to give a little summary in case someone listens to this and haven't watched it. But I mean, this movie is hard to describe because mm. you could argue that it almost doesn't have much of a plot at all, right? So the, mm -hmm. the protagonist basically runs around and talks philosophically about like the end of the world and, and mm -hmm. lots of dark, bleak stuff and gets involved with lots of women and is really nice to them. And that's just putting it mildly. We will get all into that. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and that's basically the movie in a way, right? I mean, the movie in a way ends very similarly to how it starts, right? He's he's stumbling through a street at the end, just like he in a way does in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we could argue or discuss about if there is even any change in this character. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if it, it, it reminded me when I first saw it and maybe why I liked it so much of the before films in a in like a horrible dark universe way in that it's just a lot of people having conversations moving from place to place within the same city you know so it, it doesn't really have a synopsis and you're quite right in questioning whether there is development I think there might be but it's it's mild and I think it's very much within the performance yeah I'd say for sure yeah so my history with this movie is very short because I watched it for the first time last year when I started digging into the 90s and I got to 1993 I hadn't seen it before so of course I watched it because it is a popular famous mm -hmm. movie um, and I liked it mostly, I would say. I find it a bit difficult to watch. Mm. Um, I watched like all kinds of stuff, all kinds of dark movies, especially horror movies, lots and lots of stuff. But this movie is is really tough, I think. And when mm. I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago when we first uh, uh, planned this and then we had to reschedule a little bit. So I rewatched it again today and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can ever watch this movie again because it really, really, it's it's really brings me down. It's it's really not an easy watch. Yeah, it is. It's not for the faint of heart. And also, I don't know whether it's worth saying towards the start, sort of like a trigger warning potentially, because there yeah, are very, that's... very bleak and, you know, there's there's sexual assault in it that we can't really avoid discussing because it's exactly. so so integral to the plot yeah um, especially what we are talking about yeah sexual assault rape like if you don't want to listen to that i mean mm -hmm. um no please because we have to that, that's what we have to discuss in a way because that happens a lot in this movie 
Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a film that could like say if Happy Go Lucky can restore your faith in humanity, which is something I think it can. Some for me, um, this could maybe take away some uh, yes. faith in humanity. So it is very bleak, and in, in a way, I'm like. Oh, I feel bad for it. You know, say Boogie Nights was right there. That's quite a fun, happy film. I mean, it's actually quite bleak as well. But Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the thing. When sex is portrayed on screen, maybe it's just the 90s, maybe it's generally, it there tends to be a dark edge running alongside it. Especially in the nineties. Especially in the nineties, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, So maybe not I guess that kind of develops in the eighties, maybe with the erotic thrillers and but you you'll you'll get to that. You'll get to that, won't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, there there's a lot of dark stuff. And uh I mean like I'm, what, what should I complain about? I'm doing a podcast about sex and violence in '90s movies, right? So I'm I'm picking this, and I like dark movies. But the time this will come out, uh, people will have seen a previous episode, which is about funny games. So I'm really going dark and dark, uh, like back to back. And this is also not an easy movie to watch. And going mm-hmm. from funny games to naked is like uh, I'm I'm actually not sure what my next movie will be. I hope it's something uh, not as uh, dark and uh, difficult to watch. So uh, before we get into it, I do want to get into the rating of this film. Um, Normally, I start with the US rating because it's always the most popular like um, rating people can talk about. But this movie was not rated in the United States. I don't really know why if it didn't Mm. get a wide release or something. It it seems like it did, but only in 1994. So I don't know. Maybe they didn't even present it to the MPAA because it was clear that, I mean, I don't know. I I guess it would get an R rating. I don't think it would get more than that. Yeah. Not that difficult compared to some other movies no because it's not super explicit although we'll get no but yeah we would get into the yeah yeah so i don't know in the uk um it got an 18 rating yeah Uh, it got an 18 rating in a couple of other uh, countries as well in germany got a 16 rating um which is also not surprising because as i said before in germany you get an 18 only if it's really violent normally okay because violence is like the taboo and yeah well the lowest rating, you already said it, it's France. Yes, it's for 12-year-olds. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to see this when you're 12. I mean, unless... No, I don't know. No. I mean, it always depends, of course, on, on on what you know, or again, what you talk about, or how you talk about it. But, but man, this must be a tough movie to watch if you're 12. Yeah, I don't think many 12-year-olds were lining up in France to see this. I mean, although it did win um, a load of prizes at the Cannes Film Festival, so... Maybe, maybe it did well probably, in France. Probably not a lot of 12 years attended the Cannes Film Festival at the True. time, but still, yeah. True. But I mean, like when you're 12, you, you that's the time when you first like get your real ideas maybe about sex. And this movie has like really, really, really disturbing ideas about sex. Like the way sex is presented here is, I mean, uh, we will get into sex uh, in, in a moment, but like what I thought about already is that like sex in this movie is never shown as anything pleasant, I would argue. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, if you saw this at a young formative age, you'd never want to have sex again unless yeah. you had some very dark desires. Yeah, it. yes, it takes. And the thing about Mike Lee is, I mean, to me, he's like a cuddly grandpa figure. I've never met him, but, you know, he seems like a nice old man. And so I almost I had this experience upon rewatching where I could see him behind the camera, which I don't normally with Mike Lee films, wondering how on earth he like workshopped and rehearsed these things because he seems more gentle. But I think this is a really dark sort of side to him, which you don't really see in his other films as much. I mean, he did actually make a film, which I haven't seen called Bleak Moments, 
and yeah, meantime, and, no so he does ha- it's kind of underpinned by this like this is the state of politics in the uk and that's when i'm going to delve into yes. real bleakness you know yes um yeah. so i think that's where but, his edge comes from maybe but i mean i mean even secrets and lies has an edge to it right it's often seen as this mm. like comedy but i mean if you think about no, it and this movie has that. many many dark moments as well uh, w- when you would start talking about me mike lee i actually had a thought um that I see a connection to another Mike Lee movie he did much, much later, which is Mr. Turner. I don't know if you have mm. seen this. Yeah, yeah. Because it also is about a really grumpy man who has like ideas that are not always popular. And there is also some, like the sexuality in this film is also not really pleasant. Like he has this um, like sexual moments with his with his maid or whatever. And mm. it's really left in the open. And it's it's also sometimes uncomfortable to watch. And you're not sure if this is... If this is how much this is, you know, um, how much she agrees with what he's doing to her. So yeah. there are some similarities to that, actually, I think. Yeah, I think with um, when Mike Lee goes period, when he goes like, you know, like Turner or Peterloo or Vera Drake, that those kind of um, themes like sex maybe take on a different life. Because my reading of the Mr. Turner thing was a bit like, I don't know, maybe this is my own reading of things. But when they present sex in older in like a period film especially in the way mr turner does it and recently i've watched the wonder which is that you know the new film with um florence i haven't Pugh. seen that yet yeah, but yeah okay but they both present sex as like well there aren't that many people around we're similar age <laughs> yes let's just do it here even if it's like a minute of grunting against a wall and it just that seems to be a common presentation of it whereas like naked is very much like this is the modern day it's kind of yeah. like this is our decaying modern society so it takes on a different there's definitely you've you know sort of strung the two kind of elements of sexuality in Mike Lee films but very different and I guess there is a judgment behind it in how I mean I don't know if we'll get on to like deconstructing the film sort of piece by piece yes. but it starts with sex yeah I mean let's let's follow our structure sorry, sorry. <laughs> no not your fault my fault as well no, no, again no. Uh, it seems we both like to ramble and uh, mm. well if you if you listen to this podcast you you must like enjoy that so we start with sex and sex and violence in this movie are hard to separate. We can say mm-hmm. that already. If we just talk about strict violence, we, there's actually not that much to discuss because the sex and violence are very, very interconnected in this film. So my question, as I always ask, is what do you think is the most, well, sexual moment of, of this film? Oh, I forgot you asked that question. That's, <laughs> oh, that's a good question because nothing stands out, I think, as the most sexual there's a lot of sex but yeah calling anything sexual is difficult yeah i mean yeah there's a lot whenever there's sex depicted frankly you know people actually engaging in sex or leading up to sex it is presented in varying degrees of violent sort of unbalanced and unclear whether there's consent in some situations and very clear where there isn't it in other ones so I wouldn't, so almost like the one that kind of is above anything else, I'd say, is one of sexual violence without consent between the character Louise, I think, and the mm-hmm. sort of nefarious, very seedy, horrible landlord, Jeremy slash yeah. Sebastian, who is like yeah, maybe top 10 most irredeemable, terrible bastards put to film. It's hard to think of another. He is one of the reasons why I don't know if I ever want to watch this film again, because whenever he's on screen, he's so, so, so terrible. You're right. 
I could not imagine anyone worse. I read, and, and we'll get into it later, I read some reviews from the time and someone compared him to um, to American Psycho. Yes, um, yeah. Which came out, the book came out two years previous to this film. So some people speculated that maybe he was an influence in that. And like, he is a really Patrick Bateman character. Like, yeah. But in a way, I would argue, apart from the murder, I would argue worse. Yeah, he's so, un he's so thoroughly unpleasant. Um, and actually, I noted the Patrick Bateman thing. And I didn't know that that was the context, <laughs> but yeah, he is a yuppie who um, mm -hmm. is beyond degrading to women. He is sadistic and psychopathic. And yeah, there, there is a, a scene sort of around the middle where he, he rapes one of the main female characters and it is brutal and horrible, yeah. not incredibly explicit, but still very frank and clear what's going on. Um, and I'd say that's almost like the most sexual I'd say it gets. But it's still, and it's the most violent the film gets. Yeah, I would argue that as well. And what, what this scene is also, I think one reason why this scene is so so terrible, apart from being the fact that it's rape, and <laughs> that's terrible enough, mm. but it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, mm. And then they, we see them in bed before, in a, in a scene before, and it's it's like he, as he as he does, he's just lying there bored because the, the woman is not doing what he wants, and mm. it's never clear what he exactly wants. And then we, we I think, if I remember correctly, we switch back to Johnny, the main character, and uh, we see another scene with him. And then there's a cut and we get straight into the rape scene. Like, really, like, it, it, it just starts and we see it and it's so brutal. And 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 this, I think, makes it really, really tough to, yeah. to watch. Yeah, and I think a lot of the, pretty much any time sex is depicted in the film, you know, that two people are engaging in sex, there is a level... I think to every encounter of like, I don't know if consent's being given. In this case, it is so clearly being withdrawn or, or never given at all. But it's there's always that tinge to it. So even if it's not being said, it nothing in the film feels inconsensual, you know, because it always feels sort of unwilling and sad and violent. Yeah, yeah, and... that, that for sure. I mean, Sophie, the character who's raped in the scene, is accepting to get in bed with him before but when we see them having sex it's absolutely clear that she is not willing to go along with what he's doing to her this is made very very clear like she's screaming she's saying no and she's in pain it's very clear that she that that she doesn't want this and he mm. forces it upon her so mm. it's very clear that this is rape um yeah. no matter what came before like yeah yeah and she's traumatized after the fact you know like yes it's yes. her maybe i'm getting her i was getting her confused before with her roommate who's called louise Come yeah but i also have a difficult time uh <laughs> separating the names as well um yeah it's sophie and louise but louise sort of like you know kind of goes oh you're fine you're fine and then she notices only yeah, when she's yeah, struggling sophie, yeah. she's like oh this, yes something really nefarious yeah. was happened like yeah it's actually very it's very bleak even just to discuss, even to relive these things. Yeah. Um, for, but even I mean, though it's a fiction, it's... it's. I mean, there's film. a lot of argument over depiction of rape in general in movies, right? There are many, many people who would say you don't need to show it, especially not explicitly. And I think there is a point to that. And if you have this opinion, then you should really not watch this film, right? Because it, mm. it, it makes it really clear. But to give the film credit, as he said we definitely see the consequences of what this does to Sophie. Like she really has several breakdowns after this. And it's made really clear that she's traumatized by what happened, which many movies don't show as well, I think, right? Yeah. Where, where rape is often a plot point. And in this film, since it doesn't really have a plot, 
the rape is not used as a plot point. It's really just in a way to show how terrible it is for her. Mm -hmm. Right. And I wonder, and, you know, it leads to the scene where, you know, when um, Louise realizes that they're in real danger because this person is in their house, that she, you know, threatens to call the police. And um, he goes, oh, yeah, go and do it. And then she says to Sophie, oh, yeah, if, the, if I do call the police and they come, who are they going to believe, us or mm -hmm. him in the suit? You know, and that raises a wider question of, you know, there's no accountability for that yeah. crime because they're not going to be believed, which is a wider yeah. failing of the system that's in place in the UK at the time. And but perhaps still is, you know, that they will not be believed for reporting the crime that's happened to them, yeah. which is really dark but then has a point like it's not plot driven yes, but then it, yes. it has a wider point about what the film's saying i think about society exactly well, that's what i just wanted to say right this is another part of the depiction of very bleak and hopeless and pessimistic society mm. maybe even nihilistic society that this film presents and this is part of it right we see the consequences for her but it's made very clear like there's nothing really she can do about it even mm. if they talk about it like they want to do something about it but it's like they are they are completely powerless, right? Mm. I mean, the end of Sophie is that she basically runs away, right? And and is, is still in tears. Like there, there's no hope for her. Yeah. And her her sexuality is is um, you know, sort of one of the driving parts of how we're introduced to the character. And it never yes. feels, I don't know, it always feels like a real vulnerability to her. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's almost when when we spoke briefly before, you know, and I mentioned this idea of like misanthropic humanism mm -hmm. that's in uh, Rani Averna Fassbinder's filmography mm -hmm. I think there's that kind of edge to all of them where they're so vulnerable and it's it, it all gets so bleak that you you are emoting for them you are feeling for them for how despairing and hopeless and horrible yeah. it all is and I think she's a an embodiment of that as much as like most of the characters in it besides Sebastian um whatever he's called because he is irredeemably bad and you don't feel any yeah. sympathy for him he has but... no other side right no. there's nothing we only he's like evil basically yeah yeah incarnate evil but that's the thing through maybe by putting him there and i did think this and i don't know whether it's true by having him as this sort of absolute evil the the sins of the other people don't seem as bad and i mainly mean that for the protagonist johnny I mean, we we will have to get into him, but I have to say, I know what you mean. And of course, like like Sebastian, Jeremy is definitely worse. Again, as we said, he's really, really bad. But that didn't make me like Johnny. <laughs> uh, like still, like I, I found him, especially now on the third rewatch of this film, I found him so irritating and annoying mm. because the, the, the third time I listened to all his ramblings and his philosophical ramblings, I just thought, well, he's just, talking like he he also even if he sounds like it like he cannot have a normal conversation with anyone because he uses every opportunity to to just like i don't know show what he knows and talks mm -hmm. in this uber intellectual way that that confuses people right and, yeah. and and sometimes people don't even know what he's talking about and he enjoys that right so there's a kind of i mean this is this maybe almost falls into the violence part right because he in a way uses like linguistic violence over people right he he talks them into passivity in a way right mm, yeah yeah and he is um emotionally abusive with his language yes. and the way he uses it you know yes. especially towards louise who he's come to stay with um yeah. and yeah and i suppose i had more sympathy for him on the first watch 
than the second. So I can only imagine how it get after the third as you've done. But yeah, he he's he's incessant in his talking. And I think I, I, as a performance, I'm just impressed by that. At the yes, end of the day, how sure. he's developed that as a character. And, you know, he he won Best Actor at Cannes. I think rightly so. David Fulis is one of those actors who yes. has sort of been, you know, his main prominent roles are in like big franchises, but I feel like he has a lot of potential to be better. But he he just hasn't sort of had that career of this kind of performance, you know. That, that I mean, he suggests. played some dark characters before, but if you mainly love him because of the Harry Potter franchise and you watch this film, this might be a bit shocking, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, it's in the trivia. He at one point says that he was a werewolf once, which is kind of funny, of course. Yeah, you're right. He's so, so negative. Like there's this moment right at the end when Sandra, the one who comes back in the end, talks to him. Oh, yes, she, yes, yes. And she says, like, why are you always so critical and negative? And he says, what do you mean? And then he talks about I don't remember about I think Louise again and says something negative about her. Right, right away. And she and then she gets like she freaks out in a way. She's like she she's really frustrated with him. And he annoys everyone with the way he talks. Oh, most people I would say he annoys, right? There are many, many people he talks to who get really fed up with him because he's so annoying. Like and he doesn't stop. Yeah. In a way. Uh, but no, okay. I, I don't want to um because that leads us to the violence part. Uh, and I want to save that okay. because there's not a much of actual violence. But since he's the protagonist, I think we have to discuss the first scene of the film. Mm. Oh, of course, yeah. Which I think is, in a way, a very impressive film. A, a scene, I think the way the movie starts is like the camera very fast drives towards him. And, and this is something I really want to get into. Having sex, raping a woman, and the camera like like thrusts towards them in, in, a, in a jittery way. It's really unsettling, the, the way this movie starts. The camera never does that again in the film. Mm. it's the only time the camera does that which i find very interesting and it goes to them and then we see this the, them having sex and it's really unpleasant right from the start and that's how we're introduced to him like and then he like basically drops her and runs away so yeah. it's really hard to have any sympathy for him right from the start and there's oh, yeah. never any redemption for that right never never at all no well i mean it's so telling how you introduce a character and also how this introduction is totally separate from the rest of the characters yeah. in the film and how you could hypothetically start the film with him driving from Manchester to London without this scene first you know the narrative would actually have some have a bit more cohesion potentially but because you first show the character as you know assaulting someone in an alleyway in a dark alleyway um who then escapes him you actually don't see his face either that's another thing so mm -hmm. it's almost like anonymizing him if that's a word i don't know like mm -hmm. it's, it's maybe making a wider statement about male violence towards women sexual violence in general but it's yeah it, it you know he is ostensibly the protagonist if you have to say there was one because he's the main character yeah i think he's the um, protagonist we see most of the time right most of the focus yeah. is on him there's oh, some yeah. scenes without him but most scenes are with him yeah and so he is yeah, he's our lead character. And, the, the you know, as a as a screenwriter, as a storyteller, you think, oh, the one thing I want to do is win my audience over to the protagonist side so that they care about what happens for the rest of the film. The first thing Mike Lee does is show him sexually assaulting someone, which is probably the worst thing you could show. Because I even of think course. that, you know, murder or like violent, like, you know, just violence for this, you know, that's non-sexual is almost so we're desensitized to it that if you saw someone killing someone at the start of the film, like say, I don't know, Casino Royale, 
That's kind of like a mm-hmm. cool scene of him like mm-hmm. getting his double O status. You're not thinking, oh God, he's taken two lives. You're like, yes. cool, he's James Bond now. You know, this, you can't really put any positive spin on this. You're just like, oh, he is a bad person. And then, yes. you know, it's hard to dispute that. Yeah, wild and interesting. So would you say that it's clear that he's raping this woman in the beginning? Well, I was, because this is very much the subject of the, you know, sex and violence. I don't think it is clear, but I I intuit it as that. And and as with a lot of the sex in the film, it doesn't feel like it's consensual in any situation, even if consent mm-hmm. is not explicitly withdrawn or not given. It just doesn't seem like a situation. And the fact that the, the woman he's he's having sex with is like flees, makes it, frames it as yes. a, a very unpleasant yes. and negative experience. But it isn't clear. It isn't clear, I don't I here's what I think. I think when when you first see that there that that when the camera moves towards him, it becomes clear that this that that you see sex. So you don't think this is rape. Mm. Then we get closer and we see her like also like crying, screaming. She's clearly not happy with what is happening. And okay, mm. they're having sex in an alley in a dark alley, right? This is it can't be too pleasant. But then mm. you say like afterwards, she's like hitting him. She's running away. So. I think at least how this ends makes it clear that it's not consensual, mm-hmm. which would make it rape. Of yeah. course, what is possible is that it was consensual in the beginning and then he became violent, which is something we see later with yeah. him. So that's possible, which still would make it rape, I would argue. Yeah. Why I bring this up is, as I said, I read some reviews of the film. And the first thing I did, uh, because like I... um. I basically grew up with Roger Ebert, basically. that's He was the first film critic I read. And he describes the scene as, well, the movie opens with a Johnny having sex with a woman. No mention of rape. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of surprised by that. Like, not to mention that, even if you explain that this is the way the movie starts. I looked at some other reviews, and most of the reviews made it very clear that, he's, that this is rape. Mm-hmm. And then I found a review from... Uh, 2021 and yes to be fair it's by peter bradshaw who often has really in the guardian who has really uh complicated uh opinions on films but he wrote this review in 2021 mm. and he i, I just want to quote that um and he, he writes naked's re-release after nearly 30 years gives us the perspective to ask a question is johnny a rapist yeah so that that means also he puts it into question and uh, he later also writes something about enemy. This is, again, Peter Bradshaw. He says something about, oh, well, this is something you, you couldn't show today without calling it problematic, which makes it sound like back then it was not problematic. And now suddenly mm. it is uh, kind of the, you know, anti-PC uh, ideas that I, I'm pretty sure he has. Mm. But I was like, wow, I, even if you could discuss if it's really clearly rape, but it's very clear that this is, not completely consensual sex. I think that that should be so clear. And was again, especially by the Ebert review, I was kind of kind of surprised. Yeah, I suppose the way it presents sex throughout is varying shades of you know non-consent and sexual assault. And there's there's different p- depictions of it. I think you know you see um, mainly through Johnny, um, but also through Sebastian or whatever he's called. Sebastian is something else. I keep saying yeah. that. But anyway, it's never getting clear the exactly terrible what his guy, name is. The devil. Um, you <laughs> yes. know, through varying encounters, like, you know, he, he with Johnny, say, you know, he has sex with someone who it, we read as vulnerable and maybe, 
you know, mentally unstable. But then there's there's someone else, the woman in the window, who seems like very drunk, who seems, you know, mm-hmm. they all display different behaviours, which are no none of them conducive to consent. But I think that's maybe what Mike Lee might be trying to do, or incidentally does, is, you know, the, the point that Peter Bradshaw made, is he a rapist or not, is almost missing the point of, he's not one or the other, he is exhibiting a range of worrying behaviours that, you know, don't really call for like a black or white yes or no answer. He is just a sexually violent person, not Mm -hmm. just to minimise it, but just that he, you don't have to qualify it by he crosses this line, therefore he is that. He just, you can see it in multiple interactions. And I think something that came to mind as well is the title, Naked, is mm-hmm. so it could invite you know people to have different expectations you could call a comedy naked you know um, of course and it, but, i think there and, is a comedy called naked actually from like two years ago a very silly comedy where someone is yeah. always naked and and doesn't find it anyway it's very stupid no no well you wouldn't so, want to yes. confuse them would you you know putting on the comedy no, naked no, and no, this. Sure. but um yeah and so it just i think the fact that it, it's called that and it's i don't know if it has a title card i've forgotten but it starts naked and then it's someone having sex that then very quickly you can regard as sexual assault or violent, you know, or both. Mm-hmm. And it's, it immediately sets the tone for the film as this is not, this is not discussing nudity in any kind of frivolous or comedic way. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not even talking about nudity because there is nudity in it, but maybe naked yes. is like, when we are stripped of everything, this is our souls and we're terrible. Yeah, that's for sure. The the double meaning this this yeah. title has. Uh, there is a title card which comes after the uh, the initial scene. So first we get this scene, then we see him uh, getting the car and driving. And while he's driving, we get the credits and then uh, the, the title appears. Uh, I just okay. looked that up to be sure. And yeah, you're right. There is nudity in the film, but like, I think it's pretty clear that this is not what the title is about, right? Um, because... I want to get back to something that you said. Um, I think what what happens in this film is that l- most of the women are seem so desperate and hopeless that they are often willing to give in to the terrible man, mm-hmm. and then they still don't like what is done to them, right? So it and I think that makes it maybe that makes it a bit more difficult to differentiate. Because again, as I said before, it often starts consensual, even with terrible Jeremy, right? There is a scene where he's on a date. No, no, we have to see. The first time we introduce him, he's getting a massage and he's asking the woman, do you want to go out with me or something? And she's like, no, she's really aggressive. And then the next scene, we see them in a restaurant together. So he Mm -hmm. got her to get on this date, although he, he seems very unpleasant before and then the state is so terrible like he he talks to her in such a terrible emotionally abusive way and then the waitress sees that and then the next thing we see him at home with the waitress so the waitress Mm -hmm. sees how terrible he is and goes home with him anyway and this is what happens in the film again and again and again that these women get with these men who are clearly not nice people yeah which doesn't fault them for for doing what happens to them right that's that's what makes this so problematic like johnny picks up women all the time it seems right with his yeah, strange and, behavior yeah and i suppose the way um J- jeremy slash sebastian is framed is that he's a yuppie and he's a bit mm-hmm. like a patrick bateman type he's a businessman he's a fast talker and you know he, he when he's offering to take this person on a date even though he's so utterly unpleasant you wonder well it's you know he takes them to like a nice restaurant and it's maybe framing it as his wealth begets him 
power maybe which yeah. then you know uh, that i suppose sort of like in even the most basic of storytelling people are attracted to people with power and then realize they can be megalomaniacal and horrible but you know yes the wealth is an illusion and it's not going to bring you happiness even if you're trying to find that in someone else but i suppose it contrasts it with johnny who um i think a lot of reviews at the time were like oh he's a homeless man this is a story of a homeless man but <laughs> he actually has a home like in manchester we see him grab mm-hmm. a bag from it within the first like minute um he just kind of is wayward and chooses to go out at night rather than staying as friends but um it's kind of like the and, and as you said they both kind of engage with women almost on an equal you know with the same amount of women and it's presented as they're both like sexually viable people despite being the polar mm-hmm. opposite of like wealth and yeah. raggedy kind yeah, of exactly. seems homeless but isn't but you know like just yeah so it's maybe making a broader comment i think about how men are overpowered and mm-hmm. have the ability to overpower women and they to survive they have to go along with it in a way in varying degrees and it's very it's very bleak i was just thinking of the handmaid's tale when you were talking about it i was like (laughs) it's some kind of dystopia this film but it's there is an edge of real realism silly say that but like social realism that runs through this film of but this is the state of the world like how sad yeah and it is almost dystopian right it's true and it has to be made clear I, i think you're right they're both sexually violent they're both emotionally abusive but jeremy is definitely more extreme right in the way he talks and and so on because he's not intellectual he's very blunt right he's like uh i just want to quote that dialogue during the date because it's so it's 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 almost absurd Mm -hmm. right he says to the woman on the date you've got wonderful breasts that's the first line we hear during the date and she says don't you mean tits and then he says are they both the same size like this is the conversation they're having and it goes on like this and then she says, which is very interesting, I think, because she doesn't seem to be like, hmm, I don't know. I don't want to criticize her for anything, but it, it seems weird. She says to him, you're sexually frustrated, aren't you? And then he laughs. He just laughs at it. Mm. And she says, what's funny? And then he says, are you a feminist? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is it's... so telling. Like, and, and, this, and this is how this whole conversation goes. And then the next conversation is just the same. Like, it's, it's, he, he always asks very blunt, abusive questions like at some point he says to to sophie before he rapes her i think he says have you ever thought of suicide like just out of the blue right that's a question he asked when they're in bed Mm. yeah and i think a lot of his language and maybe the sort of dehumanization of women that he embodies is something that's sadly depressingly prescient when you loop it around to like you know obviously this came before the internet and this came before social media Mm -hmm. and how certain people who are very right wing say on social media that utilize their platform to denigrate women how that's almost become a reality in a way it always existed but those people have a platform to reach you know people of all ages but especially younger impressionable you know like male people around the world because you know we talked we spoke about you know what 12 year old would want to see this probably none but also 12 year olds are almost becoming the target of that kind of ideology mm. now for yeah. you know certain people sadly very gonna, true yeah yeah so yeah it's oddly prescient when when he says those things you know oh are you a feminist and he laughs at her saying you're sexually frustrated but at the end of the day he is sexually frustrated they have un un you know treated problems which have caused them to be so 
demonstrably destructive towards other people that you're like, oh God, if these people have had therapy at a younger age, this could have been hopefully stopped. But the fact that he laughs at it, it's because it's right there because it's so obvious, but he's not even, you know, he's deluded really. Um, and I mean, not to not to justify anything he does, right, Jeremy, but uh, I, I just want to go back to that line. He says, do you ever think about suicide? He asks, uh, the, he asks actually the, the masseuse that, that, that is, he goes on a date with him. She says, no. And then he says, I'm going to commit suicide when I'm 30. And she says, why? And he says, well, I don't want to get old, do you? Which I think shows at least like he's he's not enjoying life at all, right? Mm. He's really, really unhappy. Which again doesn't excuse anything, but I think it, it it makes a point again of how bleak everything is. And this is our favorite word I think we have for this movie, but because I think that's the most fitting description for this film. But it does show, like even he, with all his power, with all his money, like it doesn't help at all. Like he's not happier than anyone else in this film. Yeah, I think that's a line that I kind of glossed over when I watched it a second time. But it's very telling, and I think maybe it frames the ills you know like the social ills this film is exploring as maybe a younger generation thing mm -hmm. or i don't know or maybe it's specifically framing it within his character as like a yuppie as like a sort of well-to-do has profited off the sort of you know the way britain yeah. went in like the 80s with yes. more you know capital and he's probably a banker we never know but he's oh no he's a landlord but he's probably a banker as well yeah it's just kind for of sure depicted something like yeah that. and maybe just a problem with young people that they can't I guess it it feeds into the wider thing of this, uh, both he and Johnny having this idea that the world's going to end at the end of the millennium, which is kind of quaint looking back because you're like, well, it didn't. But, you know, it, it's something yes. that really both influenced the development of this film, it, that it was based on a character who kept talking about how the world was going to end in 1999 and how the people in the film talk about how the world's about to end. And maybe that influences their immorality because they don't think there's any accountability or or meaning to it all because it's all about to go. And and I, I read that and maybe you read that as well, um, because some people argued that this film maybe um, is a comment on also the era of Thatcher. And if mm. you think about it, if it mainly focuses and it does mainly focus on younger people, right? They are all around the same age, which also means they basically grew up in Thatcherite England, right? Yeah. That, that's when they like came to to age basically in this again often dehumanizing society, right? Where where money was more important, where where social issues were ignored very often, and so on and so on, right? So mm -hmm. if you think about it this way, it does kind of make sense that that this is the society that comes out of this phase. Yeah, yeah, I think that's like. I know it doesn't have a, a super strong tie to sex and violence, but it's so important, the, the political context behind this film. And you're absolutely right. Like Johnny, the protagonist, says he's 27 or 28 um, when someone asks him. They can't believe him because he looks so old. Um, <laughs> but that would mean he was about 14 or 15 when Thatcher came to power. Exactly, so he would have yeah. grown up like, you know, from his formative, you know, pubescent years to being an adult, to living in his, his entire adult life under thatcher you know thatcher's britain and yeah and i think and of the course main it makes thing, them hopeless right yeah, <laughs> that makes well, a lot of not, sense. not only you know prospects diminish for so many people but there was this sort of central 
idea to Thatcherism that community, you know, community was a made up, you know, it's it's a sort of misquoted thing, but it's at the heart of Thatcherism is this disbelief in community and whilst having a retreat to traditional family values. And of course that meant, you know, no open discussions of sex, you know, that it was very much pushed to the margins and also that violence wasn't encouraged because it was not, you know, that's not how we do things. We're civilized, but also violence was very prominent in how yeah. they dealt with strikers, you know, the miners. Yes. And also yes. in the Falklands that she of course, went to yeah, war. For sure, so, right? You know, and, sort of violence was wielded by authorities and sex was never spoken of. And it was that kind of era. And yeah. I think that's maybe what manifests in Naked as this psychosexual violence that um, yeah. has not been treated or unpacked and it's just been left to fester and become this horrible thing that men are going to wield against women yeah and i mean in this way it is i mean we will not get into it like for for another half an hour Mm. into thatcherism but of course you're right i mean if you the way you explained it does make it uh, relevant to talk about sex and violence because there is a clear connection right this is basically what sex looks like after after Thatcher in a way right and and with all the social or societal values that he mentioned that makes a lot of sense because yeah. violence was used to gain power just as the man in this film used violence to to gain power over all the women right even yeah. if the women and that's what makes it so so terrible because as i said before most of the women at first at least are willing to like to get into relationships or in bed with these men and then they still abuse them. Like they don't even have to to get anything to get what they want. They get mm-hmm. they they could have these women, or at least could get something from them. But they abuse them anyway, right? They use yeah. violence, even if it's not necessary. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, we spoke just before about how you know we maybe don't have certain views on this film, like you know, sort of fully formed views. Yet I think we're stumbling on them now. Yeah, this yeah. is it is the politics that kind of informs the, how their how their sexuality has played out. And you know, whilst on the the topic of Thatcher, you know, famously she imposed this Section Twenty Eight, you know, which meant that um, any sex education couldn't mention homosexuality. That came in in like eighty seven, um, and that I believe I mean has since been repealed, but sex education is still very poor in the UK. But anyway, there is a moment, and I don't know if you noticed this, where um, Johnny is at the flat of the girl who works at the cafe, Mm -hmm. um, played by Gina McKee, and he's talking in his usual kind of unclear, very poetic way. And he says he likes the Iliad and the Odyssey, if you understand what I mean, which I thought was a reference to him being bisexual, but there was no further, Mm. it was all very implicit. Mm-hmm. um because she kind of goes oh i don't know what you mean he's like oh never mind but i felt ah that's that and that's again a, a small vestige of thatcherism of not being able to openly discuss any sexuality that wasn't straight yeah based. that's very interesting and i mean the way he acts you wouldn't be completely surprised if he got into sex with a man right i think that wouldn't yeah. be that the way he, he he acts because he doesn't care about anyone anyway right it, everything seems the same to him I think that wouldn't be like, again, not surprising, even if the movie doesn't really show that, but maybe, maybe there's a point to that. Yeah. And I think maybe that, you know, that, that could be underpinned by ideas of if he's not open about his home, um, about sexuality. And if he he did have gay thoughts that that could manifest as violence, which is a, you know, common thing that homophobes are violent towards 
gay mm-hmm. people, you know, that they mm-hmm. identify as gay. And maybe that's inherent in the other violence in the film. But, you know, it's it's not really sort of unpacked or anything. It's more just there no. to pick up yeah. on. But yeah, there's a, yeah, the, I guess there's a lot that we haven't discussed, sort of the interactions maybe between Johnny and the two housemates. How mm-hmm. one is very, you know, his his relationship with Louise, who he's coming to stay with, you know, she's, you know, they ask, oh, is she your girlfriend? And he says, no, no. But you kind of get the idea that maybe there's been some partnership there or maybe he is her boyfriend. I don't know. Um, they definitely had a past, right? I think that's made yeah. very clear. And it must be some kind of romantic past. I think that is yeah. very, very implicit, even if, if no one really admits to that. Yeah. And it definitely is by the end, at least, because she's like, do you want to come back to Manchester with yes. me? And you feel like there's some kind of partnership yeah. there. Maybe it's just friendly. But yeah, no, it's definitely implicit that they've had some kind of romantic past. And yet, you know, he uses sex towards, um, or he uses his sexuality towards her housemate, who is Sophie, yes. um, as a sort of weapon. He weaponizes sexuality yeah. to make yeah. her jealous. And she she doesn't respond in the typical, you know, filmic way of being hysterical or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. She's she's incredibly stoic to the point where you you can't help but place all of your empathy on her then. And yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. And she's definitely one of the a, yeah. most sympathetic characters in the film, I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. And she, yeah. I think when she sees, when she realizes that Johnny and Sophie are having sex, she seems not surprised. And you can imagine if she knows him well, that probably isn't the first time this happens, yeah. right? But she, as you said, is also like, Oh, okay, she she shrugs in a way, and it's like, okay, this happens again. It doesn't change her her opinion of him. Yeah, and uh, just because um, theoretically we're still talking about sex here, and we yeah. haven't gotten to the violence section, okay. Although we are completely messed up any structure at this point um, that I normally try to follow, um, the first sex scene between Sophie and Johnny is maybe getting back to my origin question, maybe the most sexual moment because it's the least yeah. violent. Like mm-hmm. it's more, it almost seems more passionate than violent. It, it seems the most consensual sex scene. It's not too unpleasant to watch, right? I, mm-hmm. And then in the next sex scene, he starts like choking her and, and hitting her head and, and, and stuff like that. And you see that it, it doesn't last long. Like if you had any hopes that maybe they, they become like romantic in any way, this 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 and he becomes annoyed by her very fast and then just like again gets rid of her mm-hmm. um but at least the first sex scene almost makes you think oh it's possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they they see something in each other yeah and i think it's maybe not there isn't a negativity say baked into their interaction because the negativity is outside of their coupling you know in that he's doing this right in front of sophie no louise yes. he's no, doing louise. He's <laughs> yes louise um who is hosting him you know even though he's just mm-hmm. turned up out of the blue and that i think they're doing it while she's in and so it's that kind of like yeah weaponizing it you know making her feel jealous or insecure by having sex with her housemate who he's just met um mm-hmm. and you know possibly taking advantage because she does seem like a vulnerable person and yes. yeah, when you did ask the question of, you know, what is the most sexual scene, I, I glossed over that in favour of the more sort of hyper, you know, sexually violent scene. But yeah, and th- th- it does seem like there is a some kind of wayward passion that they're both two desperate people looking for. Yes, that's affection. what it feels like. Like yeah. they start having sex on the stairs and then they move up to the room and keep having sex. Like compared to all the other sex scenes in the film, this seems the most 
well, sexual sex scene in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, and and there's nudity, and they are naked, um, in but, in part, you yeah. Know? Yeah. But you also see like just their hats and and parts of their upper body, but like, uh, and the other more violent sex scenes, we see full or most of the bodies of the people. I think it makes a difference because that makes it a little bit more intimate, mm-hmm. the way it's framed, right, compared to all the other moments. Uh, so I think there is a, a slight difference here. Yeah, and I think the cinematography is. I think rewatching this, I'm like, oh, it's very clever because it's not a. Yeah vivid or beautiful film but the way it uses um you know as you as you pointed out like you know close-ups for intimacy and you know wider shots for something that's frank and you know upsetting is is very effective and i don't and there's even scenes with reflections and silhouettes which i just found upon rewatch which is nothing to do with the sex of violence just no, as the presentation yeah. i just was kind of oh that's actually really clever um by dick pope who did the cinematography who, who I think that's most of Mike Lee's films, right? He I mean, does, again, back does. to Mr. Turner, right? Which is an is, astonishing looking film, I think, yeah. which he also did. And and uh, the um, and just getting back to that, the first time uh, Sophie and Johnny talk is also lots of close-ups because there is also one of the rare moments when you feel the conversation is almost balanced. She's She doesn't really understand everything he's saying, but he seems kind of intrigued that she is listening to him and tries to understand it. And then like a couple of scenes later, we have the sex scene. So there is a, a, a slight connection between them, which then yeah. changes to, to, to the worst pretty quick. Yeah. But at least and... there you, you could get hopeful. But then again, and I think that's maybe is kind of the point of the opening scene. You probably at this point haven't forgotten how this movie opened and what mm-hmm. we have witnessed in the beginning, right? We still know that he he's probably not to be trusted. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, she, you know, they later reference that there's dope around her, around the house. So, you know, yes. she is um she is definitely like a vulnerable, probably, you know, a vulnerable person. So yeah, it, it all there's a real menace that charges even the most kind of seemingly romantic scenes and she's sort of like she's placating him she's finding him funny and a lot of the things he's saying you're like that's just you know that is just antagonistic and rude but she finds it quite funny and you wonder uh you know you're fully understanding what he's doing here he's just being he's being quite emotionally abusive i think yes yeah. it doesn't work on other people who he's really horrible to but yeah yeah but he's very good at that <laughs> Okay, I think maybe this goes much, much longer than I expected, which is fine, fine. I find that really interesting. I, I feel like we could talk uh, for much, much longer about every moment. And and I do want to say at this point, which I could say at the end, but I say it now, I, I'm kind of torn what I think about this film because I find it so unpleasant and I really don't like Johnny as a character. But there is a lot in this film. Like this film is really well made. And mm-hmm. as you said, like the cinematography is really interesting. The acting is really, really great. And it does have something to say. I don't know if you have to show all the things it shows to make the, those points. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I, I think actually talking about it makes me appreciate the film more than I had than I did before. Um, so yeah. And I just want to go before we get to violence, because you said this cinematography is so is more intentional than you might think. I, I think you can watch this movie and think that the cinematography doesn't really do much. Like it just shows mm. everything again, looks bleak, like also bleached out, not a lot of colors and so on and so on. But there are many, 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 many moments that are kind of special if you really watch out for them. Like the, the kind of infamous, famous scene and when he talks to the Night Watchman and, and, and they're just in silhouette and it goes on for, for a long, long time. 
Mm. which I think is intentional. And there's a moment that I only noticed today mm. when uh, Johnny is talking to, I'm not sure who he's talking to. And for like a second behind him is kind of a something on the wall, some kind of ornament. And it makes it look like, like he has a halo above his head, oh. which makes him kind of look like Jesus. It's really just for a second. I will probably use that frame as the as the uh, picture for for the cover of this episode because I found it so interesting to even do that because like again he's not a good person, but I mean many people see something in him right. People are attracted to him. Like again, he, he picks up people that he's just met, like the woman in the cafe, right? He's mm. like, oh well do you live close by? And she's like, oh, yeah, well, she doesn't seem interested, but he gets into her apartment right away. Yeah, well, something I noticed, so a reason why I chose this film and why I liked it so much is because I do find something oddly endearing about Johnny, even though he is terrible. I did, not that I, I like, oh, I see that in him. I just think he's one of those Maybe, maybe he's my joker. Maybe what all those people go, <laughs> oh, I love the joker. I'm like, well, you know, the good thing about Johnny is like he's he's entertaining, I think, or he's interesting. He's he's got a lot of things to say, and I find it just maybe it's the performance. I just think David Fulis, the way he kind of rattles off these, like, you know, very he just keeps going. I he just can't stop. I just find that just incredible as a character that you can embody someone so deeply that you could speak like that, even though it's rehearsed. But um, something that I noticed about him um, in juxtaposition to um, Sebastian, the incarnate evil one, um, is he always asks if he can be let in, um, which is vampire. It's like a vampire. He's kind of like the Dracula <laughs> of this. Because like it's when he's, you know, um, with the cafe girl, I'm pretty sure he's like, oh, is it all right if I, you know, maybe he slips it in. All right. Like, is it all right if I come back? Even if it's just, even if he's basically supposed he's coming back, he will ask it. But it's almost like there's no option for them to say no because he's mm -hmm. it's just him, them and him. And when he um sees the woman in the window with the night watchman and goes to her door, um, he's like, Oh, you know, I've been watching you from the window my, with my brother up there or whatever. You know, I think he likes you. And she seems drunk and out of it and a bit mm -hmm. scared, as you would. And he says, Can I come in? And she goes, yeah, go on. Or maybe she she says, do you want yeah, to come up? And yeah. he says, can I come in? So I was like, oh, this is like a weird, because, you know, they're letting him come in, but they don't, he's still intimidating. So I just saw yeah, that yeah. parallel. And again, this woman, again, seems kind of desperate, right? As he said, she's mm -hmm. drunk. Some man turns up at her door, says he watched her, and she's like, well, yeah, okay, why not? Because it seems like all, like all of these people, they don't have anything else, right? They don't know mm -hmm. if this encounter will give them anything, they always have a little bit of hope, maybe. Like, again, the woman at the cafe. And they have a long conversation, right? I mean, this thing goes on for a long, long time. But it ends with her throwing him out, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's so unpleasant and he he becomes really mean and so on and so on. So it doesn't lead to anything. But also, like, at least he's not abusing her sexually. Yeah, but she almost Because he doesn't get the chance. Yeah, and, and she sort of, she throws him out quite suddenly. But it's because yeah. maybe just everything he said adds up to her feeling really uncomfortable or it's reminded her of some other trauma that he's not even able to, you know, he never gets, they never get to that point. But yes. that when he throws her out, he sort of put, he's, he's what whatever the right word is, he's the power is taken away from him and he has yeah. to leave. And he kind of gets to his knees and just like almost yeah. begs. He like puts his head to her, her torso and he kind of just holds her in that real desperation and she's still does not respond she just you know he just leaves 
And it's, uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's a very interesting wrinkle to the character where the encounters could just be replicated over and over. And she seems, she's telegraphed as being very vulnerable, much like yes. everyone else is. Yet she is empowered to banish him, you know, rid, yes. rid him. Um, even though he hasn't done anything, he's sort of almost the kindest to her than he is yeah, to anyone else. Yeah. So I noticed that. Um, yeah. You know, when she's when she doesn't respond to him, he goes, oh, or she goes like she kept, uh, keeps diverting the conversation. You know, he asks her a question. She goes, oh, you're looking forward to Christmas. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, are you, you know, like mm-hmm. he kind of plays mm-hmm. along. He doesn't prod her because he um, kind of prods everyone else. So that's, it's a very interesting interaction, that one. It is, it is, right? And it's it's singular, right? We never see her again. And, and what I talked about before, when he's framed in this Jesus-like moment, that happens in her apartment. Yeah. So I'm sure there's some some idea here of, of maybe, again, maybe a little bit of hope, even if then, again, because the, the way this movie goes, there is no hope in the end, because it doesn't work. Nothing works really between anyone. Um, yeah, well, I mean, if we talk about does he change as a character, is there development? I think it comes from that scene and onwards because he actually isn't violent beyond that scene, if I'm remembering right. Maybe because he doesn't get the opportunity to because he gets the shit kicked out. Well, yeah. And actually, that's what I want to get into because this would lead us to our violence section. And if I would ask you what's the most violent scene, the most violent scene, and like I don't think we have to discuss it, is when he is beaten up in in an alley uh, by some people, right? This is the... Apart from all the sexual violence we already discussed mm-hmm. in, in great detail, this is the only moment of of simply violence. Like he finally, in a way, I say that, is uh, is getting something for for being so annoying to everyone and and trying to to stir up people, and then he's beaten up. Yeah, um, well, it kind of comes in two phases, and I think again, there's a kind of yeah to to overuse the overuse word juxtaposition. There is a juxtaposition between the two because the first is with a man um, who's putting posters up. Yeah. And he sort of just nags and nags and nags in the way he's been doing to everyone in the story. And then when he starts nagging this str- poster man who's just putting posters up in the street, eventually the guy turns on yes. him, throws yes. him to the ground, kicks him and yes. leaves him. Then he stumbles down an alley and we sort of see him far away in the alley and this kind of group of six or so coming towards him and just jumping him. And I think it's that impersonal, unprompted violence, which is the most violent because there's no lead up to it there's no court like justification in a way not to justify any violence but he was being a re- as you're saying he kind of gets his comeuppance in a way by being shoved and kicked but then when six strangers in an alley beat him up for not knowing who he is not knowing what he's done that seems even scarier yeah i think you could go and like oh well finally he gets what he deserves in a way but you're right it is so like when he's beaten up it's not for what he's has done and something i hadn't thought about before this scene again is filmed in a very interesting way because the camera is far away from the violence that's happening everyone is in silhouette you don't see any faces mm-hmm. and it's in a dark narrow alley almost like the beginning of the film yeah yeah there, there is a similarity to how both of these scenes are shot just in this case the camera stays afar right it never gets closer to to this moment we just see him lying on the ground from very very far away so there is some intention. And when and before with the with the poster man, the camera is, is on them, right? You see the interaction, the camera is moving between them and so on and so on. So there's a big difference in how these two scenes of violence, which, as you said, come back to back, are shot and framed. So there is a difference. You're right. 
And again, yeah. the first violin seems more justified because he is super annoying for no reason, right? He has no yeah. reason to, to annoy this man. And when he gets violent, you, you kind of understand that, no matter what you think of violence. But it's like, yeah. There's also yeah. another moment, uh, I think, earlier when he gets into this car, this limousine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this man also becomes very aggressive with him. He doesn't get violent, but you could feel, you feel the aggression that's that's starting in in in, in him. Yeah. It's quite a random scene that it kind of stuck out when I rewatched it. Thinking, yeah. Does this go further than I remember it going? But then he gets in this car. Maybe it's an idea that like if you looked at him, he could be anyone. But then as soon as you get to know him, you are like, no, 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 get go away. Like I don't yeah. want to I don't want to know you. And he gives it he gives it away quite quickly by, you know, like telling a lie and it, it catches him out. Yeah. And I think with the with the violence in the alley um that's perpetrated towards him. It's yeah, because it's faceless. It's this faceless mob, yeah. unlit from a distance. It feels again a, a wider comment on society of how, you know, there is no sense of community there because the only collectivism is in like collective violence towards a stranger. It's like it is something you'd see in a dystopia, and it's also something that you also characterized how maybe people were what's the right word profiled maybe in mm-hmm. in the Thatcher years and in, in the attitude towards crime, but you know stronger police you know force would mean less gangs can beat you up in alleys when <laughs> actually maybe it's it's almost like a sort of it's it's removed from a lot of the social realism i think because it indulges that idea that there are mobs around in every alley that will beat you up if you're on your own which is it does happen but not you know it, it's kind of like a, a twist of unfortunate fate that it happens to johnny after this yeah. very long and arduous nights that he's kind of put himself through, but also um, it's just like a really, it's something he can't control and yeah. yet it kind so, of debilitates him. And yeah, and and I think that this violence is like exterior, like as you said, he has no control over it. And it follows the, this moment again of, of self-destructiveness in a way, because mm. like it, it seems like he's almost asking for being beaten up by this man, right? Yeah. Because he is, so he seems to to look for that and he does, but it it, it's almost like, well, he gets up again and then keeps walking. And then there's this violence, which is, again, not justified, which is not part of his self-destructiveness. He's not looking for it. But the the, the scars um, that he takes away from it, we see those until the end of the film. Mm. Like, he becomes, and you're right, in this way, he does become a different person. He seems more vulnerable after this moment, right? He People care for him right they seem worried about him more than ever before in the film Mm -hmm. so there is a change and yeah i haven't thought about that before yeah and i think the whole film can be framed as you as you kind of touch upon that as self he is a self-destructive character this is like a plight it's almost like he's begging every person to punch him in the face and you know he encounters various different people who are sensitive and vulnerable themselves and would not perpetrate violence and only is it when you know it comes sort of like because he's put himself through all these situations where he is alone at night you know in the streets it it kind of comes full circle that he even through smoking and through his behavior he is being self-destructive and you think is that a deeper thing he's not comfortable with himself why is he doing this to himself he's inflicting pain on himself I think yeah and And also he's like testing his limits right he's always looking how far can i go right and he he becomes annoying and and what happens very often is that people go along with it right they take Mm. whatever he does and then he goes further and further and further 
And after he's beaten up, I mean, he still is annoying, but it's maybe a little bit less. And yeah, we see him suffering a lot yeah. afterwards, right? He's 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 sitting on the floor a lot. He's lying in bed. He's sitting next to a toilet. It's it's a different. He's in a different position than before. Even if he talks in a similar way, but yeah, there's something. It's not the same thing. And I wonder now, and maybe I was doing the movie no justice because I said the movie, in a way, ends the way it begins by him stumbling through a street. But maybe because um, Louise is offering him something and he's running away from it mm. instead of, at in the beginning, running away from what he has done. Mm -hmm. Right? He could maybe have something more positive. He doesn't allow himself that. And I think there is a difference there. Yeah, I think it's it harkens back to something that is in films a lot. And it's it's usually a very impactful thing, I find, that someone is offered a chance of like, you know, a connection or to better themselves or an escape. And they don't really believe they deserve it. Mm -hmm. So they turn it down as a matter of pride or they're just reinforcing their behavior from before. And that's how this film ends is he's he doesn't think he's worth redeeming. You know, as horrible as he is to Louise, he maybe recognizes that he's not nice to her and he doesn't want to inflict that on her mm -hmm. anymore. And he also doesn't possible. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe she Which... sees that. Maybe she knows that. And that's why she offers help anyway. But he's like, no, I'm just going to keep doing, keep destroying myself, basically. Which would signify a change in him if that's the reason why he runs away. Mm hmm. And the, you know, the difference is in the beginning when he runs away, it's really dark. It's at night. And when he goes, runs away in the end, it's it's in daylight, mm -hmm. right? So there is another difference there through the yeah. cinematography again. Yeah, and he's doing it um, limping on one foot down a street, like it's which quite almost a feels like dancing image. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I looked this up, it said it was a like on Wikipedia. You know, it says like, oh, yeah. it's a British dark comedy. And, or comedy drama no, no. and you're like i don't i would never call this a comedy <laughs> that's ever. really absurd yeah but i suppose that last image is comedic like set that take that out of context set it to a different score yeah. and you've got like a man you know hopping down the street because one of his feet is but but I mean, in the, the context injury. of the film it's bleak again right yeah because, like he he doesn't take the chance that he gets right we don't yeah. know where he's going. It's hard to maybe maybe he's not as bad as before. I I, I don't know. I I think my problem with the film still is that I I don't feel a lot of pity for him because of mm. the things he does to people. Like I think it's it's almost unforgiving the way he treats women, even if it's mm. less worse than what Jeremy does. But that makes it hard for me at least to to feel any sympathy, no matter even if he's beaten up and so on, and even if if Louise finds sees something in him. I think the movie doesn't because the way he talks doesn't change. Not not really. He's still a bit annoying and critical, even if there's a little change. And I think it you would need a long time to see him really, really change. Yeah. And I think the fact that he doesn't change is I don't know, I find that quite fulfilling in the way that if he did change by the end, if there was a significant change and say it ended with him going back to Manchester sure. with um, Louise, that you'd, you'd probably be like, oh, well, that's nice, but like that's not really the character we saw throughout this whole film. And also I think the, true, also true, yeah. He feels would like be hard, Would just, not be believable. Yeah, and he's down on his luck and like you kind of wonder if he'd have more success somehow. You know, would he be like a Daniel Plainview character? You know, I don't know, just to 
pick like yeah, that big, yeah. you know because he's yeah. Daniel Plainview doesn't change you think he changes and then he doesn't you know he's violent and he's you know has no humanity but he just I have a li- little different take yeah. on that but this is not the there will be blog podcast where we could discuss this um but I, I get your point yeah I, I see what you mean there's also the moment after he's beaten up and he 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 crashes back at the apartment where he has gone for a while and then mm. Jeremy is there and I think when you watch it for the first time you do think maybe it's possible that he helps the women by yeah. throwing Jeremy out, yeah. which doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, you think that because they've been developed in sort of tandem without ever meeting, that when Jeremy slash Sebastian meets Johnny, that there's going to be this almighty clash of like violent sexual masculinity that, you know... Or something, yeah. Yeah, that's where you could you could contrast, oh, here's, you know, this terribly irredeemable person with someone who yeah is really terrible but has learned from his mistakes and can challenge this but he's like he's sort of infirmed he's like beyond the point of really obviously you could have written it differently but he kind of goes into this almost like i don't know like state of like paralysis he becomes like he starts having a seizure almost and he's yeah not, not a medical seizure but he's just almost like contorting with like he's he can't he can't reckon with what's happened to him all he's put himself through and he's you know been beaten and all that and he's going to be sick he definitely and... becomes more passive in the last part of the film yeah. and it's louise who drives jeremy away right who who manages yeah. to get him out finally so at least there's some power to to a woman in this film because as i thought before like all the violence that we see always comes from men yeah yeah and and the way she banishes jeremy sebastian is through sex like violence towards his she's like i'll cut your cock off or whatever you know it's it's sexualized violence in a different way it's violence that's like anatomically sexual and would sort of rob him of his weaponized sexuality in a way so it's that's and you almost don't believe i don't know in that scene i was like does she get him because she says undo your flies in like a undo your zipper and you know like a sort of suggestive way to kind of entice him and i almost wish they'd taken it a bit further because because the violence has been so one-sided that you're almost wanting to see some kind of reckoning for this guy to actually see him yeah you know castrated really yeah you know it's not gonna happen again as it has been and she doesn't actually commit any violence right that's the difference right she threatens him and that's enough for him to leave for some reason yeah but we don't see her she has power but she's not violent like all the men so there is even here a difference if she committed violence if she had to become violent that that would make it look different in a way you know that yeah that would put them on, a, on, the, on the same level and maybe there is a point here right that she well, doesn't I... need to commit violence for 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 getting what she wants yeah because in a way that might make her just as bad as him in a way you Even know, if we would old... really understand, like he would deserve <laughs> violence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I suppose that gets into a wider question of, you mm-hmm. know, violence on screen, you know, does it affect us? And the fact that we're like yeah. potentially wishing violence yeah, upon fictional characters, like it's it's stoking a sort of violent expectation yeah. in us, you know, that we're saying it would be justified because he is a horrible person. But is it ever justified? Is no, of can course. Step back and say, but actually, if ever it was, it would be. And I think there is just like a primitive instinct yeah, in all of us yeah. which is what the film's about kind of in a way that's going actually yeah i do want to see someone be violent towards this guy because yeah he deserves it you know which a we, lot of films do 
Yeah, and it's often my problem with a lot of revenge films, right? Where mm. where where the violence is often seems justified, and in the end you're wondering, well, but does that make the people different than the people who yeah. did that yeah. to them? And, and like, and many of these movies never answer that question. Um, well, but um, Naked is not a revenge movie, <laughs> so let's not get sidetracked uh, again. Well, do you think, is there anything else we should discuss? We talked about so much at this point, much more than I thought. Um, do you think any, like, just by focusing on sex and violence, is there anything we haven't discussed that you think we should discuss before we uh, wrap up? I, not, not that springs to mind. There are many instances of sex and sexuality and sexual violence that we haven't touched upon. Like if, you know, people are familiar with this film and they go and watch it, there is implicit and explicit performance and language relating to sexual violence that pretty much yeah. punctuates the whole film. I mean, like if I had to make a very sardonic and um, brief review for this film or synopsis, it would be, it's like violent sex punctuated by cups of tea. They seem to always be having cups of tea. <laughs> yes. And it's just, it's just yes. like, it goes from very, very British behavioral, have a cup of tea to incredibly bleak, yeah, probably political, but all all shades of um mm-hmm. kind of uncomfortableness um so yeah i think i think i'm i'm quite sort of proud and maybe proud proud's not the right word but we've come to some conclusions in this because in my mind it was a, a bit of a haze of very depressing stuff which is not as easy to yeah. investigate as if it was really happy say but it's yes. i think it is it's something that as you've reflected kind of deters you from watching this film or even kind of praising it in a way or holding it in high regard but it's it's really like baked in and it's all i'd say through the performances you know like the screenplay is the actors embodying characters rehearsing for weeks and weeks guided by mike lee but it, the characters are so believable that they draw you in yeah this for much, sure yeah you know? um so i have to commend it for that and that's why i might i love mike lee like a lot of his films do have this quality and um that's why i think he's just such a great director I mean, maybe I would say that this is of the movies I've seen from him is maybe the movie I like the least. Fair enough, yeah. But on the other hand, I like all of his other movies a lot. But again, considering the many, many different multi-layered issues we discussed here uh, in the last uh, <laughs> one to two hours uh, that we're getting to, shows that the movie has a lot to say, right? Yeah. Like if you can talk about a movie for that long, and again, there are many, many, many scenes we haven't discussed, right? Mm-hmm. That could be discussed, even like apart from the sex and violence. Uh, so we could talk even longer about this film if we wanted to. That I think that makes me, as I said before, appreciate it a little bit more, even yeah. if I don't want to watch it again. Because normally you can't talk about a movie for that long if it's if it's too bad, unless you're like just saying how bad it is for, for two hours. But that, that's not a lot of fun. I mean, it can be fun, but that, that's... We didn't do that. And I think this the movie has a lot to say and it's, it's really worth analyzing, which I always appreciate. Yeah. And I don't think it beats anything. It doesn't sort of hit you over the head with anything. I don't think no. even though it's incredibly like explicit and bleak, it's not it doesn't feel miserable for the sake of it, which I think is kind of maybe you disagree and maybe a lot of people disagree with that but i think it has a purpose all the kind of horrible stuff that happens at least for the characters and yeah. the emotion of it it's not 
yeah i don't it's not miserableism or whatever you want to call it i yeah i, I know what you mean this. yeah i think it's on the on the edge of that i, I yeah. think yeah. yeah i think it's 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 on the line but you know yeah i i can see both sides of of an argument here if it if it dives into being miserable for miserable sake or if it actually wants to say something about why those people are miserable yeah i it walks the line for me that's that's why it's so impressive yeah. but you know for many it will dip into miserableism yeah okay let's get to our final segment finally oh. because there is still a structure here although we we like walked away from it more than ever before but i, I kind of enjoy that and i do act, ask at this point if you can imagine this movie being like more or less violent or sexual and still working the way it does well, I think something that you sort of touched upon earlier is potentially, I don't know whether you're talking about this film in particular or the scenes shown, but maybe it could be less explicit, especially in the sexual violence between perpetrated by Jeremy Sebastian and um, against Sophie. Yeah, it could be. But I think the point is to I think it does have a point. And whilst it is incredibly uncomfortable, I wouldn't change it necessarily. I definitely don't think it should be more explicit. Yeah. Um, but could it be less explicit? I think if it if it pulled its punches, it wouldn't be a cohesive product as a whole, because I think it's really trying to be, as the title suggests, in the sort of like deeper way, it's trying to be bare and just showing mm -hmm. you how things are. So I think if it didn't show you those things, it might not have as much potency or authenticity as it as it does the way you put it it's hard for me to argue with it although i wanted to argue with it when you started talking but you almost convinced me of that <laughs> but like this main rape scene that we talked about right from the start is maybe my my point where i would say maybe a little bit less explicit especially because at this point we know how terrible jeremy is right like mm -hmm. we have no doubt about that he's a really really bad person mm. But considering that everything afterward is a lot about what it does to Sophie, as I said before, I don't know. Again, I don't know if you have to show it this way. I, I, I have my problems with rape scenes in some contexts. And this rape scene is really, really, really tough, I think. I mean, of course, you could argue there are worse rape scenes, and but there, you shouldn't do a ranking of rape scenes. And this one is is is, is pretty tough. But again, as I said before, yeah. to the movie's credit, it deals with the the um, ramifications of the of the rape a lot. And maybe this way you have to show how how, how bad it is. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose when you sort of start to think, well, how could it have been done differently? It could be presented from a a different perspective you know sort of behind a door or outside the room but then I suppose it's about her experience of it in a way yeah and that she isn't believed at first by her housemates so if there's any sort of third person or God's perspective although it is I suppose it is kind of God's perspective but I mean yeah compared to the to the sex scene with Johnny that she has that becomes violent the the rape scene is relatively short yeah yeah. Like it, it happens really quickly, but it's over quickly too. Like it, it doesn't yeah. go on for too long. It doesn't dwell on it. I like that. It makes its point and then it's over. And you don't forget it anyway because it's still bad enough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's very grotesque and it's very, um, not expl it, explicit, yeah. but like it's very like obvious, I suppose is the right word. Like you yeah. can't really mistake what's happening in it, which is something that you, has degrees of, sort of deniability or uncertainty to the rest yes, of the yes. things going on in the film so it's the most clear example so i suppose if you didn't show that explicitly 
you wouldn't get that degrees of that's the worst thing and then everything yeah. is slightly worse yeah yeah I, I yeah i i i think I, I yeah i think i agree with that yeah but i wouldn't begrudge you for wanting it to be less explicit because i i would not you know it's hard to watch yeah if someone criticized a movie for that scene i i'm i really understand that yeah the question of uh, could it be made differently is a, is a difficult question anyway mm. i think um so yeah. well i don't know Okay, final section, really, really final section, uh, which brings us to uh, the rating we give this movie, um, or mostly you, because I, I let the guests decide. So, oh, yes, yes. Considering sex and violence, again, we we combine them because we don't want to make it too complicated. How explicit on a scale from one to 10 would you say is this film when it comes to sex and violence? So I have thought about this before recording. I would say how Which is the first. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. You're the first um, one who's really, really prepared and have listened, oh. has listened to, to uh, episodes, uh, which is uh, interesting for oh, a change. Oh, um, well, I'd say in terms of how explicit, I put eight out of 10, hmm. which I, again, with these, I have my reasons, but how explicit, I think in showing sex, it's not, it, you know, I've seen more explicit films. There's definitely more explicit ways to show sex. Of course. And even the violence, like the violence, the fact that the most violent, well, the most sort of bloody, gory violence yeah, yeah, is yeah. shown, is not even depicted. It's well, it's depicted, but it's not shown. It's no. it's it's filmed it's at a distance. Yeah, you see the results of the violence, which yeah. is a really important factor in underlining the ramifications of violence, as it is with sexual violence, which the film does yeah. equally. But um, yeah, I'd say eight out of ten. Yes, I. Um... I think I would have accepted a seven too, but I think eight makes sense too, because you're right. It's not, that, that always makes it difficult to, to differentiate between explicit and, and our next category, uh, mm. because in many ways it is not explicit. It does show, I mean, I I, I didn't quote from the parents guide at all uh, today. Oh yeah. Um, because there's not a lot on the parents guide actually. Like it's, it's relatively short compared to many, many other films, which uh, goes for the argument that uh, movies that are not as popular don't have a lot or that are not, as infamous for its sex and violence, although this movie could be infamous for its, for its sex, um, doesn't have a lot. But it does mention, for example, because that's, of course, most shocking always, is that you get a male frontal nudity, which, you know, maybe maybe this is why the movie was unrated in the US already. Um, <laughs> maybe yeah. we could give it an, an NC-17 right away, uh, because male nudity is always uh, more problematic for some reason. Anyway, but yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, how intense would you say is the sex and violence in this film? So I gave it a nine, but I, mm -hmm. I can see it. I, I didn't want to go 9.5 because that seems silly. I'm going to stick to a nine or a 10, but I'd say nine in that I've seen more intense. I think there are more intense ways to depict what mm -hmm. it does. Say, for instance, the most intense scene being a rape scene. There's, I've seen that depicted more gratuitously. And the fact that you've, you know, you mentioned it's short, it's, it's relatively mm -hmm. brief, although it feels longer because it's so uncomfortable but it could it could be more intense by way of being longer or more drawn out and i think that they don't dwell on that because i don't think that's i think my, it goes against mike lee's sensibilities anyway but i yeah. think he yeah. he wants things to linger and he wants things to sort of be dwelt upon and i think by sort of not dialing up to 10 he is making you think about it afterwards by not yeah. just shocking and it being for the sake of being shocking there's a purpose to it so i'd say nine yeah i think it's a very intense film right i yeah. think it is right that's why why i feel so much unpleasantness watching it because yeah. it is very intense uh, intense and it, it's 
like the, especially the scenes with Johnny, I think with Sophie the second time where you really wish, okay, I please don't go there. Please don't do mm -hmm. this. And then he does and it goes on and on and she let, kind of lets him do it. And it's, it's really, really, really unpleasant. And the rape scene as well, as short as it is, it's also as intense. I think making it longer or more, more gratuitous would maybe even make it less intense. Okay. I would yeah, argue. I can see that. Yeah. So it's it's sitting between a nine and a ten, isn't it? But I'm gonna say nine only because I've seen there's an, there's not a lot of anticipation, I think, and that sometimes makes things more intense. Although you're saying maybe it diffuses the sort of tension. But I think it, it's it's sort of sh yeah, it's it walks a line between being shocking and intensity and but for shock for not for the sake of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I i yeah i i wonder if we should go for a 9.5 which has never happened before but because i think yeah. this is it is really one of the most intense movies i can imagine right mm. i mean if i say i don't want to watch this movie again that must be because it's intense yeah so i don't know yeah. but yeah mm. but then it's sort of like as a, maybe this isn't the question really but like as a whole there are moments of reprieve you know there are sort of long yeah, stretches sure. where they're talking about philosophy so it's not like this is a 10 out of 10 intense film like it, it kind of lets up quite often so that's that's also true yeah 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 i mean we i, I think i could live with nine uh, uh pretty well i just want to check for for a second no i don't have that here uh because i don't have i didn't write down the um uh what's the most intense well uh, happiness got a 10 for intensity. Oh, yeah. Happiness, like, swept, you know, it got 10s on all of them, didn't it? Or, like, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It has the highest uh, highest possible rating. And thinking about it, I think it makes sense. I mean, happiness, in a way, is even more unpleasant. There's a, I mean, there are interesting films to contrast. Yeah, because, yeah. Like, they're, they are intense, but I'd say Naked's probably more intense in a way. I love both of those films because they're quite daring. Um, but there's a sort of like there's a happy kind of almost aesthetic to happiness, which diffuses the the the, the actual subject matters, I guess. Whereas here it's leaned into as hard as possible. Yeah, like, but this is grimy. I think, this is horrible. I think where I would make the difference is that in happiness, all the terrible things you see, because of its it's a comedic style, you're kind of more detached from it. Yeah. Yeah. Here it's really emotionally intense, like what, yes. what everyone is going through. Like you really suffer with the people that are suffering, which in happiness doesn't really happen in the same way, right? And so I think there is a difference. Although I see the 10 for happiness, now I do wonder if maybe we should get <laughs> make it a 10 too. I don't know. Oh, it's really let's uh, give okay. it a 9.5. Let's give it a 9.5. We'll yeah, let's do that. that. Yeah. I think that's uh let's 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 do something new and give it a 9.5. Okay, how much do you think the sex and violence is connected to the themes of the film? Inextricably, one of my favorite words. It's you can't you can't unpick yeah. the sex from the violence. Like they are intertwined more than I think any many films I can even think of because there's no whenever sex is presented, there is a violent edge or it is just yes. out and out violent. Although I suppose the violence is not always sexual. But no, that's feels, not. But that. No. The question is, what the, how much are they connected to what the movie wants to say? And here would still say, like, everything is, like, every time we see sex and violence, that is connected to what the movie wants to say. Like, nothing, mm. I think, happens sexually or violently that is just, like, there and is not connected. I mean, just the way we discussed it and talked about it make that really, really clear, right? If you bring yeah. it all back to Thatcherism and so on, the sex and violence becomes even more relevant. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I even think, I know this is, um, like, kind of... a 
you can relate everything maybe back to sex if you're going Freudian, but in his, <laughs> um, you know, being beaten in an alley, that's kind of like his self-destruction, his destruction of ego yeah. is that kind of like yeah, driven yeah, yeah. by some kind of like destruction of self, which relates to sex. So I think, and he is kind of, it, he, for um, not using this in a kind of judgmental way, but like he is a pervert in a way and he takes perverse pleasures. And it, yes. you almost wonder whether he's welcomed that beating at the end or from the poster guy. Cause he's like, he's invited it upon himself. He wants yeah. to be mistreated in the way he mistreats other people. So it kind of has a sort of psychosexual edge. So yeah, I'd probably put that at, at, at 10. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, even the one thing we have not really talked about, which is a big moment is that the whole thing with the night watchman, Mm. also leads to them watching this woman and him going into the apartment even that moment which they are all a conversation it's not really about sex or violence but even that leads to it right and so that even there is a connection like everything leads down this path yeah which in a way is also what the, the, something that the movie wants to say yeah we give it a 10 i think we, that, that's yeah. fair okay um and on a scale from one to ten one being an um Yes, a 10 being no. How would you would you say this movie can be recommended for children? Oh, um, so wait, 10 is no. Yes. 10 is no. Yeah, children, as in like anyone under the age of 18 or just Which children. Which is what everyone asks. And I say, well, <laughs> you know, it's always difficult to define, you know, because. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's another podcast. Um, 10. <laughs> I'd say 10. Like, I wouldn't even recommend this to a, a, a someone under the age of 18 who... I don't know, just, I'd just be like, go and watch yeah. Star Wars or something or anything or something that just like more lightly handles the philosophy here. Like the before films, you know, I don't know, like maybe watch this once you're a bit world weary and you've gone out into the world and you've seen how horrible things can be sometimes. And then you watch Naked and you're like, ah, yes, there it is. I think from all the films I've discussed so far that got a 12 rating in France, this is the one that I, where I understand it the least, where I really think, yeah. whoa, no, 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 no. Where, no, yeah. with other movie i can say yeah well if and here and there but here i really think no so i i i i think i agree here yeah i mean that'd be interesting to do. i don't know how you do it but like a study of like how that what impact that has on like youth culture or youth growing up you know in in these different countries because yeah like happiness at least has like you could show that to like a teenager and they might find it kind of darkly funny because it has a lot of like cum jokes or whatever but this doesn't yeah. even have that kind of levity. It's not like, you know, no. everything is incredibly violent and depressing and pr probably put you off sex for life. So, yes. Yeah. Despite being a comedy, as you pointed out. <laughs> bizarre. Uh, bizarre. Oh, it'd be weird if it like ran at the Globes in like a comedy. Yeah, then that's that would what be, I thought of too. Yeah. The Globes, but yeah. 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 And I just had to check again because I can't believe it. But yes, happiness got a 12 in France too. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> It's 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 really well. Okay, this uh, means um this means we have a thirty seven point five for this film. Oh, okay, which makes it the second highest rating so far behind happiness. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, I guess it's not a competition because it's like you know, it's not, but it's nah. interesting. And again, I mean, maybe all of this means nothing. It's just a random yeah. thing I thought of. It, it's I think it's it's it, I say this every time. It's more effective than I I thought when I. When I thought yeah. of it initially, uh, but still, I mean, this gives it a lower rating than Funny Games, which is interesting. Mm, okay, yeah. Wait, it, a lower rating, as in like a so what a higher rating? Like oh, higher. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, a funny rate. Uh, funny Games got a, a thirty-six, so it's really close. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because I'd say because... that's more violent in a weird way. 
Well, I think the thing is that playing games is also not very explicit when you get down to it. Right, okay. You did the you original, right? I, I haven't much. seen the new one, uh, the remake he made. You don't have I'm to. Guessing... Um, <laughs> but there's not, like, there's no sex at all. Like, the one moment of, of sexuality is, is not really shown, and the, mm. there's not a lot of violence shown. It's more implicit. So I think yeah. that was why, we, why the rating is not as high as you would expect. Anyway, that's what we discussed uh, last week, um, and I hope everyone has listened to that at this point. But yeah, uh, it's still interesting to compare all of those uh, ratings. Anyway, yeah, yeah that uh, brings us actually <laughs> eventually to the end of this episode, which uh, I, I will have to check that. Could be the longest one yet. Wow. It's possible. I don't know. When did we start? Yeah, I don't know. The longest one is two, hour, two hours and two minutes, which was also happiness. Maybe we're slightly under oh, that. I think we might come that. just under. We'll be in yeah. second place, so it kind of yeah, we will. Yeah, and yeah, I don't think I have to edit out much, but yeah, I think we it will be slightly shorter than happiest, which is still I didn't expect that actually. I thought this will be a shorter discussion. I'm yeah. happy it, it wasn't. So yeah, no, um, I've, that, I've enjoyed it, good. even though it's been incredibly bleak. Um, yeah, it's been a very interesting conversation, and hopefully, it's all right to listen to because I can imagine it's probably quite turbulent you know in it thematically you know i think if you've seen the movie it will be interesting to listen to i hope so yeah yeah Yeah. if you haven't seen a movie well then why do you listen to that anyway so yeah thank you uh, a lot for this discussion and for picking this film i'm really happy with with picking this film and with the discussion we've had so um yeah thank you and no thank you so much for having me on it's been a it's been a delight a bleak delight but no (laughs) it's been so interesting and i've had a great time me as well. So um, yeah, maybe you'll return at some point. And yeah, uh, as I said in the last couple of episodes, I have no idea what uh, what the next episode will be at this point. Um, so I cannot uh, give any preview for anyone listening. So um, well, that brings us to the end of the episode of Naked and uh, goodbye. Bye. Why do you feel the need to take the piss? I'm not taking a piss. It's nice that. Where's it from? I don't know. It's something my dad. Now you see... Sophie just turned up to the wall. She's got this kind of uh, irritating proclivity for negation. I suppose she thinks it's progressive or something. What is your problem? Nothing. What's your problem? All these silly questions and... Well, look, I've never met a nurse before and I'm just interested in, uh, well, in life. I mean, do you think it's worth saving? Of course I do. But there is a time and a place and actually this isn't the time or... The place. No. And this is where I... Live? Yes. And I'm not feeling very... Sexy. Comfortable, actually. I'm not feeling very comfortable. Well, make yourself comfortable, love, or slip into something more.